You know, sometimes when we look at the news or the things that are going all around in the world with countries rising and falling and, and at war, we, we tend to think, what in the world is going on? But I can tell you this, no matter what is going on, the whole world is still a theocracy. The whole world is still governed by the divine guidance of God. We, we, we need to know that, that he is sovereign over all, that he is the one that is called the ancient of days. Countries rise and fall. People live and die. But God's kingdom stands forever. To his reign, there is no end. His justice and his righteousness is the foundation of his throne. And let me tell you, for children of God, that's very good news. For the sinner that does not come to repentance, that's very bad news. This morning we're going to look at Judges chapter 6. And we're going to look at the first part of the story of Gideon. The first 16 verses we're going to read. And in Judges chapter 6 this morning, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible and I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. And it reads this way. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, 
I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abathrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring you up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Without even preaching, just hearing your word, God, your truths ring true. Your word rings true, Lord, in each one of our hearts, Lord, because we know what it is to walk away from you. We know what it is to cry out to you, Lord. We know what it is to go through different seasons, Lord. So as we consider this text this morning, Lord, help us to personalize it. Help us to see your faithfulness. Help us to understand our frailties and our need for you. And no matter where we find ourselves today, that we would walk away knowing if we are children of God, the Lord is with us. Would you do that this day as we sit in worship through the hearing of your word? Do a work in our hearts, Lord. We so desperately need you day by day. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the text tells us that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They were involved in idol worship. And, and, and we know uh, this because further down in the chapter, Gideon would be commanded to tear down the altar of Baal. They, they followed the other nations around them in worshiping their God, although they were already told and warned not to do that. Baal was the God of fertility, and, and in worshiping him, their rituals had to do with sacrifice and also with sexual immorality. God had told them, don't be afraid of the gods of the Amorites. And they obviously started to worship 
the gods of the Amorites because they thought they saw a level of success in the God that they were worshiping. They had come to a place where they did not attribute their condition to the things that they were doing. We find ourselves in that place at times. Things are happening in our lives, and we believe that the cause of it is everything else instead of us turning inside and saying, what do I need to change in my life? The, the text starts out with, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. This first paragraph ends with, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So when we ask the question, why did God allow what took place for seven years to happen in their life? It says that the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. Two things we need to notice here. Number one, everything is at God's disposal. His people, those that are not his people, the, the, the weather, every condition, every government, everything is under the authority of God. Another thing we notice here that God had a time frame in which he allowed this to happen to his people. Everything has a season. Nothing lasts forever while we're on this side of eternity. And I will also tell you, everything has a purpose. That's why we started with God is sovereign over all. And we need to rightly understand our circumstances may be attributed to our behavior. Not all the time, but often that is the case. It says that the children of Israel hid. They, they had to avoid the enemy. When, when we run away from God, we're not going to only run away from God. We're going to end up running away from other things as well. Because we're leaving protection that we have, and now we put ourselves in a vulnerable position. It's, it's, I liken it to when I see them hiding in caves, like when you would go to school and be maybe threatened for your lunch money. You, 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 you had to go to school, and when that bully came walking down the hallway, you knew it was time to pay. That is not a good feeling. Imagine that's only when you go to school. Like, there's times when your kid was going off to school, and you had to check, is, is everything okay because when things like that are going on, they might not expose it. So it's one thing to deal with that when it's lunchtime. It's, it's, it's another thing that you're living your life for years where you have to hide. 
Not only do you have to hide, you have to hide your children. You have to hide your whole family. They're they're hanging out in these cracks and, and crevices of these caves because they were once on top. They were walking with the Lord. These same people, their ancestors took this land. When when they took that land, those same people groups who are messing around with them would tremble at the name of them. But they turned away from the Lord. They, They got comfortable in the blessings that they had, forgot where their blessings came from, and now they have to relearn. They're in these damp, dark caverns, and and they're hiding from people that they once had victory over. One one thing you need to know is, is the world is not governed by chance. This wasn't a coincidence that this happened to them. Everything happens for a reason. Israel had bowed down to the gods of the heathens. And and therefore, now they would be in tyranny, those same heathens that they bowed down to their God. And there needed to be in some sort of intervention by God, or they were in trouble. They, They were literally starving to death. Every time they would try to sow seeds to raise their crops, they would come in. And and they said they would come to destroy the land. They didn't have need of taking their things because they needed more. No, they said that the people and their camels, meaning they were already rich, had, was so plentiful that you couldn't even count them. But they came in and destroyed the land and left the people impoverished. The reason for this is because Israel had cut themselves off from their provider. Israel had cut themselves off from their protector. Israel had cut themselves off from their deliverer. And there's always a price to pay when we do that. But at the same time, it says that the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. God gets at men through various means. It is a grace of God that he gets your attention. Let both the sinner and the backslider know that their condition is, imagine if you were treated by God, the same way you treat God. So, so, so even that God didn't treat them the same way they treated him. Imagine if you were just left to yourself. R- Romans chapter 1 talks about that. If you were just left alone, you would self-destruct. So... Imagine here 
that God allowed the enemy of these people to have their way to overrun their land. These people, God's people, were now at the mercy of wicked people. That, that's what happens when we put distance between ourselves and the Lord. It says that, as it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, that the Lord sent a prophet. That prophet came and he reminded them of what God did and he reminded them of what God said. That, that is a grace of God for, for him to Remind, before the Lord sent a deliverer to them, he sent them a prophet. One that would remind them, your condition has to do with your disobedience. When he sent this prophet, if we just think about the mercy of God when silence is broken, when even what uh, is being revealed to you might be piercing your heart, you recognize your sin, it's uncomfortable, it hurts, but it is a mercy of God. And it is by God's grace. Because if he remains silent and leaves you to yourself, you'd self-destruct. But it says here that they cried out to the Lord. He, he sent his prophet, and then in verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus incarnate in this Old Testament scripture, God shows up. When we cry out, God shows up. Imagine where Gideon finds himself. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. A wine press is like a bowl that you're down in and, and you're doing something that you wouldn't normally do there because now as you thresh in the wheat and this dust is coming up, you're breathing this and that wouldn't be the ideal situation. But we have to hide from the enemy so this is where he finds himself. Unless the Lord watches the city, the Watchmen watches in vain. What led to the Lord showing up? The people crying out. I'm sure they had cried out during these seven years. But how did they cry out? Uh, maybe they were just crying out because they wanted relief. So often when we find ourselves in a situation, even when we call on God, we're calling on him to relieve our circumstance. Why didn't the Lord show up sooner? The Lord showed up 
at the right time when as they were going through the things that they were going through, they were at the end of themselves and it was doing a work in their heart. So when God showed up, it was once what he allowed them to go through was accomplished in their hearts. That, that, that's the same for our lives. Because when we cry out for relief instead of repentance, we, we still need to stay there for a little while longer. So we have to ask ourselves, are we crying out because we desire the pain to stop? A, a desire to escape the consequence of sin? Or is the crying out because of a, a heart change, a recognition of disobedience to the Lord? Because the text says, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord uh, because of the Midianites. It, it, it was uh, because of their condition. Maybe your circumstances require a heart change before you receive relief. Until the heart change occurs, the pain that you're going through is actually a grace. Allowing that pain, that uncomfortable situation to cause repentance. God's forgiveness, once repentance is made, is also a grace. Just to define repentance. Repentance is way more than saying sorry, and it is way more than feeling sorry. The, the word repentance means to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. Erdman's Bible Dictionary includes this definition of repentance. In its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the future. I was reading an article and it said that repentance in the Bible involves a complete and irreversible change of mind, heart, and action. Repentance recognizes that our sin is offensive to God. To repent means to make an about face, a heart direction turned away from self to God, from the past to the future ruled by God's commands, acknowledging that the Lord reigns supreme over one's existence. That, that's true repentance. I, I've been there. I've been in sinful strongholds and going into it, lying to myself that it was going to satisfy again. And on the backside of it, feeling sorry and saying sorry, but continuing that cycle over and over again. I've had people ask me, Pastor, when that happens and, and I'm saying sorry and I'm feeling sorry, 
is, is that repentance? It, it is a form of acknowledging I have this internal struggle. Uh, the, the flesh and the spirit is warring. So what you do is, is you keep saying sorry. And, and, and you keep being in that position where I want this to end. And God will deliver you from that. It, it, it may take a year. It, it could take a decade. And, and there will be consequences to pay along the way. But never stop going to God. Actually, sometimes people are stooped in those kind of things, and then they start to wonder, am I even saved? If you weren't saved it wouldn't upset you as much. If, if there wasn't that struggle, because I remember when I was doing whatever I want, I, there was a little bit of consciousness of, ah, this ain't right. But it wasn't an overwhelming feeling inside of me like this is tearing me apart. That's what the Bible says about repentance, 2 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 10, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see that this godly sorrow produces in you. Just see what it does. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. The text goes on to speak about the Lord appearing and saying to Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. It is amazing that God calls things that are not as they are before they come about. When he says it is, it is. He, he calls you holy even when you're not acting holy as a child of God. He, he, he calls you his child even when you're forgetting that he's your father. He called this guy who was hiding out a mighty man of valor. So when you're confronted with that, when Gideon was confronted with that, what, what did he respond after hearing the Lord say this? He said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why? Right? We, we ask this, then why is this happening? 
Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. If the Lord is with us, why has this happened? Why has he not intervened yet? The very same thing that they're going through was because the Lord was with them. And, and he was getting to something in their hearts that was important. And then the Lord turned to him, and he didn't answer his question because his answer already came, because the prophet already came and said, listen, you're in this situation because of your disobedience. It's, it's amazing how we could hear what the answer is and then turn around and still say, why is this happening to me? I already told you why this has happened to you. So, so listen to what I said, uh, why it already happened to you. Let me tell you what we're going to do about this. And, and, and the text says that the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel for the, from the hand of the Midianites, have I not sent you? Even with that, because of him, because of Gideon being just beat down in life, although he's hearing this proclamation, he's still saying, oh, oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and, and I'm the least of my father's house. That was his framework. Often that, that, that is our framework, where we're thinking about our past situations, we're thinking about our condition, we're thinking about our current position, and we're saying, I can't do that. And, and guess what? He, he couldn't, and neither can you. Other than the fact that he was missing what God was telling him. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall. Know that for yourself. You're too weak to do it. You're too dumb to do it. You're too inconsistent to do it. But if the Lord says, surely I will be with you, then you shall. It's funny because uh, while he's asking these questions, how we ask these kind of questions, God has given a decree. No, no I, I will be with you, and this shall come to pass. Your, your questions don't even matter once God gives a decree. We see this all through Scripture. Isaiah says to the people, fear not, for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. A couple of chapters later, he also says to the people, this is what the Lord says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This is not saying you're not going to go through it. No, no, surely you're going to go through it, you've been through it, you're in it right now. The, the promise is it's not going to overwhelm you. The promise is you won't be consumed by it. The promise is even in this story, God is doing something deeper. And Matthew Jesus is leaving and promising the disciples the Holy Spirit. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's not the only time he said it. In Genesis, when Jacob was at the ladder, you know, like when he was at the ladder right after he messed up and was going into like messing up again, God told him, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. He, he, he already knew Jacob's past. He, he already knew how Jacob was going to mess up tomorrow. But he told him, I will be with you and I'll be with you all the way through. And every single one of my promises will come to pass. In Deuteronomy, God says to the people, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in, do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You can come up, worship team. The title of today's message is, Surely I Will Be With You. He said that to Gideon. He said that to Israel, he said that to Jacob, he said that to the disciples, he says that to his children here today. No matter where you find yourself, no matter your weakened state, no matter how you've messed up, no matter how you're going to mess up again tomorrow, you will, I will, we do. When you're a child of God, He's going to be with you. 
When you are in the season of correction or consequence, he's with you. He, he told you you're going to have trouble, but he promised you he would be there. I love how God is, is so real and truthful. No, 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 you will have trouble. You could go to a church that tells you that if your faith is strong enough, you're never going to have trouble. It's just not scripture. No, 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 you will have trouble. You don't have to be afraid. You, you don't have to wonder if it's going to work out. No, all my promises are yes and amen. They will come to pass. I'm going to do what I said. When you're being faithful and when you're not. We, we were talking in uh, the meeting today that we have before service with the leaders as, as we pray, and we were just talking about God and his covenant to his people, knowing we cannot keep up our part of the deal, and he keeps us, and he's doing a work in his people. So if you're in a place today where you feel where are your promises, God? You've forsaken me. Look where I find myself. It's definitely God at work and whatever it is you're going through. And maybe you're going to stay there until you repent. Until you cry out, not cry out, God, stop this pain. But until you cry out, change me. See, because when this was happening, oh, they messed up again. And Gideon was like, I need more proof. And, and Gideon was tasked to do other things, so God was bringing them through a process. But I'm going to tell you another thing. He used one person to be the catalyst to bless a group of people. Maybe that's you. Wherever you find yourself today, if you are a child of God, he is with you. He has not forsaken you. He is bringing you through. He's doing something deeper than you being comfortable. No, he won't stop the pain until it's done. Because it's so much bigger than your comfort. It's so much greater than I need to be happy today. No, these are things of eternal value. So the stretching and the molding and the growing and the hurts and the I need to trust you more, God, is all part of it. Would you stand? I'm going to ask the leaders to come up. If you are in a place today where you're like, God, I need reassurance that you're with me. I, I am in pain. I need to repent. Or if you said today, I need to know this God that we're speaking about because I don't know him. Come up, please, Jesse. I want you to come and I want you to ask for prayer to be strengthened, to, to, 
to be able to come to God and say, God, I need you to even do a a work in my heart to, to give me a confidence that you are there to, to continue to reveal to me that you love me. You can look, line up in the center aisle. We're going to sing a song and come up and have hands laid on you and be prayed for, church.